Welcome in. It's great to have you as we get set, buckling up, ready for the sixth State of the State address tonight by Governor Gretchen Whitmer. And we're in Lansing, live from GCSI headquarters here. And, and look, there is a lot to talk about. And and when you consider some of the the changes in the landscape politically here uh, at the state capitol over the last year, over the, the this last session, um, things have been a little different, especially for Democrats who've taken over control. And and some priorities that, that they had set forth, uh, they were able to get accomplished. And now there's a whole new set of circumstances changing as session really gets rolling once again uh, here in 2024. Uh, very pleased to welcome in Senator Sylvia Santana. You're in the Wayne Dearborn Dearborn Heights district, right? Yes, that's correct. It's Chris. nice to see you. Good to see you too. Thank you for coming by. Absolutely, and braving these elements. It's nice. <laughs> um, it's Michigan. It is Michigan. There's no doubt about it. Um, so, talk to me about the last year or so. Uh, there was a radical shift in the power structure in Lansing. Democrats hadn't had control of the the state house or senate in many years. Um, how was that different? How did you navigate that? personally as a party how did how did that affect the way that that lawmakers got things done do you think well i think definitely there were a lot of um you know just things that came up during mm-hmm. that uh, process we've been you know obviously in the state of michigan republicans have had control over at least the senate for 40 years mm-hmm. and so just being able to have the trifecta happen for democrats in this past election cycle was something that really is a historical moment in the state of Michigan. And so um, just being able to really see democratic policies be brought to the forefront of the agenda here in Michigan is something that we were all very happy to do, uh, whether it be repealing the pension tax, whether it was making sure that right to work was repealed Mm -hmm. in our state, whether it was making sure that women have a right to choose what they do with their bodies and their body autonomy. Um, These are all issues that really impact Michiganders across the state. And I think we as Democrats feel that the biggest thing was making sure that we put the people of Michigan first and prioritize mm-hmm. the needs of the people, which have been um, unfortunately not taken in consideration over those prior years of 40 plus years of Republican control. Well, when do you anticipate a lot of these measures that were passed this, this past cycle? When, when do you really start to expect the fruits of those labors to, to be coming to fruition, do you think? I think you, you, we're seeing them already. I think that, you know, some of the policies that have been put in place are um, definitely the governor has signed many pieces of legislation as, um, you know, at, at the end of the, it, throughout the last year. Sure. But more importantly, we had um, the opportunity to make sure that policies went in place this upcoming February through Sunny Die mm-hmm. um, last um, year. And so we'll see a lot of those policies be in, uh, actually um, taken for it. Um, in the next month or so, so it's good. And now, as things change even again, as session really starts to get rolling here in 2024, um, you still maintain a, a slim majority in the Senate, but then in the House, it's a deadlock. Uh, how how would how is this session going to be a little different than last year? And and how do you expect you know things to get to the governor's desk in a in a as expeditiously as it was last semester? How, how do you expect that to? play out this this time around yeah Chris I think really you know we have to be realistic and you know the house right now is 50 50 
And so I think, you know, one of the things that senators have, you know, taken into consideration is that we are the the chamber of maturity, in my opinion. <laughs> the House will house. But I think that more importantly, that we're in position still to be able to move policies mm-hmm. on the Senate side and get them primed up for the House. Um, they do have a special election coming up in April, which hopefully will uh, still have control over the House. And um, definitely we can still move the policies and agendas that Democrats want to see move forward. Move forward. You, you got you, you got here just a couple of minutes ago and we were we were talking and you said you're not a talker. You're a doer <laughs> and you do a lot. Yes. I got to say you are very busy, whether it's appropriations or or public safety election. I mean, you're, you're sit on a whole host of, of committees. What, what has this been like for you? Uh, uh, personally and, and for your constituencies in uh, in the 12th or excuse me, the, the second. Yeah, absolutely. So I will just say that one of my, you know, main priorities is making sure that I'm taking care of my constituency. And so um, even through this majority that we've now experienced versus being in a minority, I make sure that we have a liaison in our district who is on the ground hearing the pulse of the community and making sure that she's reporting it back to us in Lansing. What can we be doing for our citizens? And so that's really relevant for me to make sure that my constituencies feel represented. Um, we also have, you know, through having so many committees chairing the Health and Human Service budget, which impacts so many individuals in our state, uh, we've been able to do some great policy changes and also make sure that we're supporting people no matter what. And so I think from to your question about how has this been for me, I think that it is the blessing of my lifetime to be able to serve in so many committees and so many capacities um, to impact the state of Michigan. And so I wouldn't give it up for the world. The, the governor is expected to to name, a, uh, obviously, kind of recap where we were this last year. But but there are some big things on the table for her and, and some of her uh, expectations for for what what you folks in the in the House and the Senate will be uh, uh, voting on um, uh, free preschool, community college. And, and obviously job creation, job growth, population growth is obviously a big deal here in the state of Michigan, aging population. And we're not seeing enough young people either stay in Michigan after they graduate from places like Eastern Michigan University, where you're an alumnus or or any of our other great universities. It, it, how important is this next year going to be, do you believe? I think that this next year is going to be pivotal. We are setting up the next generation for the jobs of the future, and I think that... And do you think we have that that foundation for that here in the state as we sit today? I believe everything is a work in progress. You know, regardless if we have the foundation today, um, I do believe we do. Yes, to your question, yes, we have 15 awesome universities in the state of Michigan that are geared towards making sure that we are training the next generation for the jobs of the future. I do believe that, and I do believe that the investment that we put in on the front end when it comes to our pre-K, making sure that our school districts have the type of funding necessary to continue to elevate um, STEM and different industry needs. Uh, we will be primed to do that. And I think that you know through this pandemic, we've seen where there's been a lag in education as far as the, the lapse for our students. But I, I believe that we are investing where we need to put the money. And that is making sure that these kids are ready for the jobs of the future. We have, you know, new technology, AI coming on board, and there's going to be 
um, opportunities where they can to to for them to be um, put in a position to have those next generation jobs. Yeah, I mean, for me, education is is the cornerstone of of not only attracting new people to the state, but retention. Right. As people start families, as, as people have younger children, you know, uh, K through 12, um, you got to have a strong system there because nobody wants to come here if the system isn't as good as it can be. Right. And then you start getting into jobs and the economy and how all of those things set us up for the future. I, 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 I think that there are a lot of good foundational building blocks in place. And, and uh, I'm very interested to see what the governor has to say tonight on a lot of those issues, because I think and, and you know, and we're now in, in a presidential election year. And so I think all of these things can be very clouded when you start intertwining well, what the federal government's providing the state of Michigan and, and what we're offering for ourselves. I think the, those are all very pivotal issues. Absolutely. Yes. We, it's always a different spokes on the wheel Yeah, and we're turning them all at one time. Senator Sylvia Santana. Thank you so much. It's great seeing you. Thank you. I appreciate you popping in. All right. All right. Have a nice state of the state address. Tonight. You too. Yeah. Thank you. All right. We got to take a break. Uh, we are live in Lansing from GCSI headquarters as we get you ready for the governor's sixth State of the State addressed tonight from our beautiful Capitol building in downtown Lansing. We'll be joined by Senator Kevin Hertel coming up on the other side right here on WJR. All right, welcome back live from GCSI headquarters in downtown Lansing. Just, I mean, heck, almost a stone's throw from the Capitol building. Uh, and and obviously a lot will be talked about tonight in Governor Gretchen Whitmer's sixth State of the State address. Um, but certainly as... As we continue to endeavor for a better road system here in the state of Michigan, fixing the damn roads, I expect, will be another topic of conversation for the governor tonight. And Rob Coppersmith, the executive vice president of the Michigan Infrastructure and Transportation Association, better known as MIDA, joins me. How are you? Hey, great. It's good Thanks. to see you. Thanks for having us. Um, you know, the roads have been a topic of conversation, it seems like, in this state forever. And, and I think we've seen over the last... And experienced over the last couple of years, there have been a ton of projects popping up all around, certainly southeast Michigan, but all over the state. How have we progressed in that area, do you think? Well, I think we're holding our own in that area a little bit due to the uh, governor's bonding program. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the vast of those majority of those are complete reconstructs. Um, And so we're managing our road system right now by crisis. So uh, whatever the biggest problem is and the biggest threat to public safety is where we're going to run to. And that's certainly what MDOT has Uh, been doing. I mean, we hear about it all the time, right? Uh, Somebody's frustrated by an orange barrel somewhere (laughs) on their commute. Um, but th- this is what happens when when our roadway has been yeah we've been uh, kicking the yeah historically underfunded for decades. I've been doing this for thirty years, and uh, I've seen a lot of governors try with their legislatures, starting back at the Blanchard administration, all the way up until present day. Uh, Governor Schneider got us a little bit in the gas tax mm-hmm. a few years back, but uh, we certainly have been underfunding uh, our system for a long time, in which that creates. Uh, that creates chaos at some point when we do start throwing money at the problem and try to fix the roads in a proper manner. It means that uh, we have to go deeper into and, and rebuild a lot of stuff because that's just certainly where we're at do right you, now. Do you feel like we're still underfunding, even with the governor's bonding program? Oh, to certainly. A certain extent? Yeah. yeah, certainly. We've 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 identified a $3.9 billion annual shortfall mm. uh, in our funding uh, funding problem and that's without the current uh, inflationary period that we just went through 
So um, that certainly has put us behind the eight ball, and the longer we wait, the, the deeper that hole gets. I mean, if you if you needed to fix something on your house and waited another year, do you think it's going to be cheaper? Or, or It'll probably be more expensive. Yeah, and I'm so no mathematician. That's where we're at. The materials, the IIJ money from the feds, mm-hmm. uh, put a lot of stress on available materials, so that certainly added to some inflationary issues. Well, but you talked about the materials, because that that's a huge piece of this, right? Whether it's issues in the supply chain or not being able to, to utilize some of the, the resources that we have here in Michigan uh, to achieve some of these goals, materials are always an issue, isn't it? Well, they certainly can be. Um, we've, we've been able to get through some shortages and different things and keep mm-hmm. projects on time. So where there's a will, there's a way as far as the materials go. But... Um, the vast majority of our problem really lies in the the continual underfunding. So um, we need to get into a mindset that uh, um, we have a big problem, and uh, if we don't start start fixing it, it's it's only going to get epidemically worse. So so what's the solution, right? I mean, obviously money will help fix a lot of those issues, but it, it feels like you can only get so much from taxpayers at a time right before it becomes insurmountable for for some people but but the the projects need to be done you're not going to avoid the the orange barrels it's going to happen when these roads need to be fixed they got to be fixed so is it is this a you you talked about getting it to a point where it could be an an epidemic level i mean is this something that we need to start funding now today i mean is this is this is it that desperate yeah well uh, certainly we are benefiting from the governor's bonding program and the uh, federal uptick uh, with the ij dollars but those dollars, I think, should represent the new normal. Mm-hmm. And uh, those those two sources of funding, which are one-time funding sources, right. uh, dry up in the next year and a half or so. And then we'll be back to funding levels from the late teens, 17, 18, 19 mm-hmm. era. And, and that's just not enough. And that'll be a slippery slope because um, if we drag our feet, we're certainly going to lose all the good work we've done just from other roads eroding and not being paid attention to. Is, so. is it quantifiable how many roadways and miles of road, stretches of roadway in the state that really need attention? Um, I don't know the number of that off the top of my head. So I, I mean, I, it would be, I imagine it's it's a lot. Quite yeah. a few miles. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, the ACEC report put our roads at a D. Um, so that tells you that, you know, a fair amount of our traveled lanes, uh, whether it be local or county, need attention. Um and uh, every minute we wait is, uh, just adds to the problem. So what, what needs to change in terms of the way we build our roads? Or, or um, Because, I mean, some people will say, well, it's the weight of the trucks or it's the temperatures and it's yeah. the climate. I mean, there's so many different factors that go into it. All that plays a factor, but I think right now we're either in a total reconstruct mode or we're in a Band-Aid mode where we're doing an asphalt overlay mm-hmm. where we're just milling out a little bit. And, 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 and that will inevitably lead to another situation where you have to redo it again. Yeah, in a very short term. So those are, those are Band-Aid fixes. And um, uh, the Band-Aid fixes don't last long. It uh, honestly gives the contracting community a, bad eye, a black eye because people say, hey, well, they were just in here paving this road two years ago or three years ago. And the fact of the matter is is that they were just trying to make it safe enough to drive on for another couple of years. So... Mm. Um, uh, we need to get to the point where we can get our system up to the good and fair that the legislature um, posed a challenge to several years ago uh, and good and fair so that we're not in this total reconstruct mode. And it's going to take us a while to get out of that that mode. We have to sure. rebuild a lot of stuff before 
we can certainly get into what I would call a maintenance mode. Um, we've waited and we've kicked the can on this issue just far too long. Talk to me a little bit about the Fix My State Coalition. So um, the Fix My th- that, that's a partnership that, that obviously MIDA has with, yeah. with a lot of the influential people, obviously the governor here in the state of Michigan. What's the purpose of that coalition? The purpose that of that coalition is to educate um, the public and lawmakers to the, the, the problems mm-hmm. that, that we face and in in, in whether it be funding or, you know, it's a data-driven um, coalition so mm-hmm. that we're – Primary goal is education, uh, educating uh, taxpayers, educating the legislature on uh, the situation, and, and and definitely just kind of monitoring and keeping the information fresh so that we, we know which way we're headed with it. So through that coalition, through some of those discussions that you've had with people for, for a long time, um, what is the answers to those long-sustaining, long fundable resources and avenues to make sure that we're funded at proper levels? Well, I, I think that's the big debate now. With um, with the we've always been relying on the gas tax, right? Mm-hmm. User fee, great. We sure. support and love user fees, but um, that is a um, a source. Cars are getting better gas mileage, so mm-hmm. you know that's a problem. Um, electric vehicles certainly aren't paying a a fee other than an enhanced registration fee, and some would argue what the cutoff is. Still falling is. short. Yeah, still falling short. So we have um, certainly not, uh, we're not gaining revenues. We're continuing to lose revenues from even if you compared them to a few years ago. I mean, my neighbor just bought a eco-diesel truck that typically would have gotten 17 miles to the gallon. Right. is now in the 30-somethings. Right. And, um, you know, that's lost revenue. That we used to be able to. Did you knock on his door and say, "You can't buy that. You got to take that thing back." I mean, no, on, I told him, "Give me an extra hundred, <laughs> yeah, you, you, yeah, you know, right, for the month because right. you, you you owe it on uh, what we're losing <laughs> to keep your roads nice." So, um, I I think that you know the public needs to grasp that, the legislature needs to grasp that, and then we need to come up with some ideas that are palatable to the public and the governor and the legislature, and and do something meaningful that will put us on a trajectory to. To, to, to get rid of this problem once, once and for all, um, something that's indexed. Uh, you know, the federal government hasn't come out uh, in one way or another on road usage charges, but they're starting to grow legs in other states. And it's certainly something that we'll have to look at yeah. uh, in Michigan. But um, I think that's a ways off, and we need to do something in the interim more sure. to, to kind of fill that void until we can get to a road usage type situation. Is, is that transition to electric vehicles, is that a real concern? I, you know, I, I think. Or are there just answers that, there are, there are questions that we just don't have answers to yet. Yeah, I think that that's probably the best way to phrase that. I, I don't think electric vehicles are going away. Sure. Um, how much of the market they they capture will it remains to be seen. Mm. And um, in the interim, you know, we need to build a system that doesn't care what type of technology we're mm-hmm. using so that we don't have to reinvent the wheel every time we turn around. If hydrogen comes back or other things like that, we don't. We want to have a system that doesn't care if your car runs on grape juice. You sure. Know, it, you know, just as long as everyone's paying a, an equitable uh, fee to, to use the system. So. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's very interesting, obviously a problem that we've had for a lot of years. Got to try to get it corrected and turned around as quickly as possible. Rob Coppersmith with Mila. Thank you so much. Hey, thank Appreciate you for the you time. Appreciate you taking some time. Yeah, Appreciate thank it. you. All right, we got to take a break. We will be joined coming up next by Senator Kevin Hertel. Uh, we're live 
from Lansing as we preview the governor's state of the state address tonight. Don't go anywhere. More next on JR Afternoon. Boy, and we appreciate Mike Hawks and his team at GCSI uh, for providing a wonderful home for our broadcast today. Uh, as we get ready for Governor Gretchen Whitmer's sixth state of the state address. I just can't believe it's been six. Uh, state Senator uh, Kevin Hertel joins us. It's good to see you. Good to see you, Chris. Can you believe Thanks it's been six already? I, you know, I was thinking back the to pandemic, all the pandemic, really. I mean, of. it's like uh, that threw a loop into everything. But six, I can't believe it. Already. Yeah, I think a thing. You know, I have a six-year-old son at home, a okay. three-year-old as well. But I think of things in kind of that. I yeah, started right. in the house, and he was born in the first year. So yeah. it's hard to believe I have a six-year-old. <laughs> That's so. a good way to keep track of time, I suppose. Okay. I have a five-year-old and a two-year-old, so we're you know, in the trenches. You know how it goes. <laughs> we're in the trenches. Were they in school yesterday? No, or today, actually, oh, for wow. some reason. Huh. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit more rural than you are, so okay. yeah. the bus is a little slick getting into some of these roads. Yeah. Um, you guys were very busy last session, um, and, and there's been a lot of efforts underway. Um, I mean, certainly uh, to grow the economy here in the state of Michigan, um, whether it's bringing new jobs cultivating, um, you know, a different ecosystem for, for jobs to either come here or grow here. It's very important. How do you, how do you think uh, some of those policies and efforts that you undertook last year, how do you think they kind of play going forward in the next couple of years? Well, I think we're starting to see the benefits of some of these uh, proposals that we put together and passed in the legislature last year are working. I mean, you got to remember that the uh, residents of Michigan will, for this tax year, first see the benefit of a billion dollars in tax cuts that we passed last year, both for the retirement tax, the full the repeal of that that we'll phase in this year, and the expansion of the earned income tax credit, which will help working families across all of our communities and put an average of $3,000 back into the pockets of those families. And so uh, we have really prioritized investing in people across our state. Mm. Jobs are a critical component of that. Uh, and just in my district alone, Al Rose Steel just announced a project by the Gibraltar Trade Center that hopefully will be built in the near future. Uh, those are real jobs, good paying jobs uh, right in our neck of the woods. And we're seeing that across the state. When we create an environment for businesses to invest here mm-hmm. uh, and give them the ability to do that, I think we're going to see uh, this policy pay off. Well, on the right jobs too, right? That's right. I mean, we, we, we are entering a new era in, in, in technology and, and obviously automation uh, and, and the way that, that we're driving to work. I mean, there, there are so many changes underway. It's the right types of jobs that, that we're trying to attract more people or retain, retaining people here in the state of Michigan. Yeah, I, I, we have to do it on two fronts. We have to make sure those businesses want to be here and invest in the state of Michigan, and we also have to make sure Michigan is a place where people want to live and succeed. Part of that's education, and we've made huge investments in our education system from K through 12 into our, po- our, uh, our college education system as well. Uh, you know, I would put our workforce up against any workforce in the world, but we need to make sure that job providers, job creators know that they're here in Michigan, and we want them to stay here. I think for me, one of the biggest worries in terms of future spending and, and when it comes to, you know, adding on to some of these things or creating new avenues, I mean, a lot of this money that was built into these last couple budgets are one-time spending, right? COVID dollars or whatever. How do we supplement that money going forward? How do we make sure that we're able to fund some of these programs at the same levels or providing some companies the incentive to come to Michigan or grow in Michigan? How do we maintain that level of spending without you know, putting some of that burden on taxpayers. Yeah, there's two parts to that. So one of the pieces that you saw a lot of the spending on, those were federal dollars that came to the state 
back when I was in the state house. Uh, in fact, uh, the previous leadership kept those dollars uh, within the state coffers for a long time without getting them out into our mm-hmm. communities. It was a priority of ours to get those dollars into our communities for projects that will be transformational. Uh, uh, and one of those is in Macomb County with the new jail intake project that sure. County Executive Mark Hackle uh, has worked on, as well as the Sheriff uh, Tony Wickersham, to change how we focus on criminal justice in Macomb County and make sure we are providing the, the proper supports for mental health and substance abuse within the county. But you'll see projects like that across the state that, were, that federal dollars are utilized for, right? The other side of it is that we have a very healthy budget here in the state of Michigan. That's because of some of the growth we've worked on in recent years. Uh, we have been able to be fiscally responsible, put money away in the state budget stabilization fund so that if there is a challenging time, we have those dollars available, but also invest across our communities in these programs. Uh, and we're on strong financial footing. Uh, the recent revenue estimating conference showed that we have the ability to do uh, to both invest in these things and make sure we're being financially uh, responsible as well. What are you looking forward to hearing from the governor tonight? Well, I think the governor wants to build on the progress that we've looked at over the last year. And, and, and uh, I have worked closely with this administration to protect access to health care uh, here in the state of Michigan, make sure we're creating an economic environment where people can succeed and businesses mm-hmm. can locate. And I think you're going to see a lot of that, building on what we've already done, but making sure we're, we're making it even better. Michigan reconnect and growing that into a program that allows people to get the training uh, that they need and developing on these uh, tax incentives that we've looked at over the years to make sure we're doing them right in a way that allows for the economic development to occur, but that they're actually hiring Michigan residents and providing jobs here in the state. One of the things that we're expecting the governor to, to talk about tonight is providing pre free preschool uh, for for all four-year-olds here in the state of Michigan and and community college for all, which obviously has been a, a, a one of her goals for many years. Um, that would require more money into the state budget as well. Um, I imagine we'll hear some other things similar to that from from the governor tonight. How do you tackle those issues, well, especially in a in a chamber which, which you're familiar with in the House, where now you have a 50-50 split? Things probably become a little bit more complicated. Yeah, I'm always a believer that we need to work together and get things done, even if we Agreed. have tight, uh, you know, a majority minority. Everybody in this town should focus on what's the betterment for our state and work together to pass policy that will help create that success across the state. On both sides. So, absolutely. Uh, and I always did that when I was in the House. I do that in the Senate. And I served in the minority when I was in the House, served in the majority now. And so we've got to work together to get things done. I think, uh, you know, what, what's important to me is making sure that the investments the governor is talking about uh, create a return on that investment. Mm-hmm. And I think when we look at things like child care, a family like mine, uh, I have, as I mentioned, I have a six and a three-year-old. So my three-year-old is in daycare now. It is mm-hmm. a uh, huge financial burden, totally. uh, but it's also important to get our children into those, uh, into that education uh, attainment quickly, because all this, the data shows that they are more successful later mm-hmm. in life, and that's important for our workforce as well. So if you invest in it on the front end, it will pay dividends on the back end. And you know, as the governor makes these recommendations and will present her budget soon to the legislature, we're going to have to have a conversation as we go through the appropriations process. And that's where we, our budget is a statement of your priorities. We have to prioritize these investments in our communities. And I think child care is a, is a critical one because it is uh, affecting many, many families yeah. across our state. I love your, your lapel pin, by the way. Well, go Lions. Are you, you know, excited? I, I, I told my son... Uh, <laughs> Over the weekend, you know, he's had to wait six years to see something like this. I've waited decades. And, yeah. Uh, it, it's exciting, that you know, just to see that team play, but what it means for the city of Detroit. And I was born and raised in the city. Uh, the, city is crit- the city's success is critical to the region. 
that we live in. And, and so uh, it, it, it really is an exciting time. It's an exciting time. I mean, I'm a Michigan fan. My wife's a Spartan. I'm a Spartan. And, but. and I mean, you know, my kids, it's, it's like you're living in the, the football solstice. There's no doubt. For whatever reason. I mean, boy, you, you, you lucked into this. Well, and being a Spartan, I can still look at that Michigan football team and, wow, what an incredible season they had. Uh, And, uh, you know, it means a lot to the people in this state. Uh, And and, and we're due. And uh, and I'm excited to see the game this this, uh, Sunday. And uh, go Lions. And I'll tell you, you, you're going to like Jonathan Smith very much. Yeah. Great coach. He's well, going to be a that. good one for the Spartans. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, State Senator Kevin Hurtel. Thanks, man. It's really good to see you. Thank, Thank you. you, Chris. Always good to see you. All right, we've got to take a break. More next as we continue on WJR. All right, welcome back. Good to have you. Getting ready for the sixth State of the State address tonight by Governor Gretchen Whitmer. And joined by a couple of veterans in this town. <laughs> Lansing Mayor Andy Shore joins us. Thank you for having us in this Sad little town. <laughs> Welcome to Lansing. Yeah. There's always something going on. Yeah. Today it's WJR. No doubt about it. <laughs> uh, former Lieutenant Governor Brian Cowley, also the CEO of the Small Business Association of Michigan. It's good to see you. Great to, great to be with you. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, just a couple of veterans in Lansing. That's right. Yeah, it's crazy to think about that, right? Yeah. I mean, I guess it's been 2006 when I first came to this town. What is what is the today, days like today, drum up for you? What do you remember going back to your days in the administration with Rick Snyder? I love the uh, the pomp and circumstance of the old-fashioned that way. There's a lot of tradition with the State of the State address. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's one of those times when even though you have rebuttal and kind of, you know, sparring back and forth on different ideas, it's a time when everybody's together in the same room and you kinda, you're kind of given permission to imagine really cool big awesome things happening even though the system doesn't always work <laughs> in reality that yeah yeah uh, and, and the town's buzzing mayor i mean you, you you feel it out there i went and i just walked down the the block here and you get a great shot of the capital between a couple of buildings um it's a it's a picturesque location um and people are buzzing around you can tell it's it's an exciting night there's tons of people here it's it's exciting you see people you know all over the streets you see them walking around people are having parties and they're gonna be watch parties and then afterwards and you walk around there's folks everywhere last year we couldn't even get into a few of the parties because they were at capacity they're like, really? they're like mayor we're really sorry to turn you away <laughs> they're like if you want to waive the capacity I was like, i'm not gonna do that um yeah that so. would be politically <laughs> exactly. i think it would not be great for you exactly um but but uh, Brian, obviously the small business community here in the state of Michigan is so reliant on, you know, to a certain extent, what the government does here in this state. How has that industry flourished or been impacted, you know, even post-COVID? Yeah, I, there's been a lot of ups and downs since COVID, and you definitely feel there's some trepidation out there right now. There's uh, so, you know, folks that are are uh, pulling back a little bit, want to wait and see how things uh, turn out, even though the top-line economic numbers still look pretty uh, still look pretty strong. But the one thing that people continue to come back to is just people, need more people, need uh, people that have a certain level of, of skill and ability to do um, what's required in the economy today and what will be required uh, tomorrow. So I'm hoping to hear uh, the governor really um, – lay out how we're going to get our our education system particularly the primary education system the k-12 back on track we lost a lot of ground since uh 2020 uh with the pandemic and 
uh, our whole country has, but Michigan's fallen back a little bit more than the rest of the country. And I think getting back that back on track is going to be really important for our economy in the future. Yeah, and, and, and retaining our younger workforce. I mean, look, it's not a surprise. This is an aging state. We are losing people uh, uh, as as the years go on. And that just can't happen. That we, we cannot be a prosperous, flourishing destination if people are leaving. And and not just leaving, but then instead of trying to lure people in because of our education system, because of the job opportunities that are here, um, and if we can't harness the power of our geographical location to to draw people in, we're in a real disadvantage, and we fall farther behind in a lot of these really important categories. Talent retention and, and the growth of our population, I'm sure, is, is incredibly important to places like Detroit, Grand Rapids, but even here in Lansing. I mean, oh, yeah. that, that growth is vitally important. Yeah, we, I mean, we're seeing tons of, of requests for housing, housing of, of all incomes. So we, we certainly want, I want to hear more about that tonight. Mm-hmm. You know, how can we provide the housing that people want? Uh, we have people that want market rate. They want apartments. They want uh, attainable workforce, affordable housing. Uh, so that's one of the things that, that I hope the governor is going to talk about because that has been a priority for us. We're going to have probably about 600 new residents right here in the downtown in a year and a half because of economic development, mm. because of what this legislature and governor have done the last year or two, um, which we appreciate. So we want to see more of that, more of the economic development, more of the housing. When you talk about workforce, um, I, I hope she's going to talk about community college. When we talk about two years of community college, what's our biggest need? trades and, and people who have certifications, police officers, firefighters, they may or may not go to four-year school, but if they can get trained right out the gate, they can get an $80,000 job with no debt. So these are all the pieces that are really important to Michigan's economy, and I'm looking forward to hearing that tonight. And, and Brian Cowley, what, what are you looking forward to hearing from, from the governor tonight? What, what's most impactful to, to the small business community, do you think? Well, it is it is really about people and, and talent, and uh, and it, and I think it's also important not to pile on. Like, I hope not to hear things about new regulations or the kind of government getting in between mm-hmm. the employer employee relationship. But um, but beyond that, I think that the key is like if we want to grow, the first step to growing is to stop shrinking, and that means that you 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 really orient everything toward making sure that the people that are already here are are, are achieving the maximum level of success. You want to kind of level out. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. If people are having success here, that's going to be a, a much bigger attraction than trying to convince people from someplace else to come in here and save us. I don't think we need saving. I just think we need to have the best environment built around our people that we possibly can. And that is it's focusing on things like housing, it's workforce development, our primary education system. Uh, the uh, when, when you talk about talent attraction, how about like the attraction of those who are graduating from our, our like they're right here, they're graduating mm-hmm. from our our colleges and community colleges and and uh, and other schools and and how do we keep them here rather than losing so much? We are a net outbound migration state the last mm-hmm. few years, and uh, and that's that should be the priority number one. And the best way to do that is just make this the best option for them. When it comes to when it when it comes to especially talent retention, um, how how do you think the best way to go about that is because. I think from from a business perspective, things are changing, right? While we still want to maintain our position on the totem pole at the top of being the automotive center of the world, um, there is so much more that just goes into, you know, putting wheels on a vehicle, right? It's so much different now. Technology is advancing uh, to a point where it is impacting our lives, whether it's um, through through engineering uh, or whatever. So, so 
when it comes to creating an environment of growth, we've seen startups. Michigan's like the number one destination in the country for startups. Why is it that those metrics check out, but we're not seeing some of the jobs growing at the rate that you know some of these small businesses are starting? Yeah, and that's a. Um, I, I think that you raise an interesting point too. That while we could never turn our back on the automotive industry. It doesn't make sense to put all your eggs in that basket. I mean, that we we suffer the consequences of that in the uh, in the in the lost decade of just you know just having one industry go south and it just really took down the whole state. Um, so the more diversity that we can find in our economy, and and what that means is that our policies for economic development ought to be fairly industry agnostic. You know, mm. the policy is that no matter what you want to do for a living, the innovation that's happening in everything from from making beer to life sciences and medical equipment to electrification. There's all kinds of things that are happening across a whole bunch of different industries. And, and I think we'll do better if we don't try to pick which industries we want and instead say, we're, it, no matter what you want to be, if you're an innovator, if you're an entrepreneur, this could be the best place to do it. You know, the, the missing part of that is, is the, what, are the, what the talent, what the young people, what they're looking for. Sure. Right? So we're here in Lansing. We're building a, a performing arts center. We're building a concert hall. It's going to have 2,100 people there four or five times a week. We, what we hear is we want to come there. We want to be able to live. We want to be able to walk around and go yep. to the, the, the new capital city market to get some groceries. We want to go see some entertainment, go see a concert. They're going where they want to be, and they're mm -hmm. getting a job in that area because they have uh, a lot of different possibilities now. So when you talk about placemaking, that's an important piece of this. You can't forget that. Um, when you talk about you know, in Lansing, we're, uh, we're building batteries for cars. We're actually going to be building sure. EV cars, and now we just got $8 million from the federal government. Thank you, President Biden, for, uh, for EV charging yeah. stations. When people, young people buy these cars, they got to charge it somewhere. So vitally so, important. So now we're going to have it here. Again, making sure that placemaking is happening is also important to retaining the talent. No doubt about it. Uh, Mr. Mayor, Andy Shore, thank you. Brian Cowley, thank you. It's great to see you both. Thanks for having Thanks us. Thanks for coming thank by. You. All right, we got to take a break. Three o'clock hour coming up as we continue here on WJR. Well, it's good to have you. Three o'clock hour live from Lansing in the GCSI Lansing headquarters. Mike Hawks, we appreciate you and your team so very much for uh, playing the gracious host today. Uh, as we count you down until, well, just under four hours from now, until the governor kicks off her sixth state of the state address. Now, I, I, let me just say, I have spent the entire football season telling my audience to open their heart. Open their heart to be hurt again. This team is real, and you should be on this train because if it's too late, once it gets too late, you, you miss the whole ride. Lions going to San Francisco to play in the NFC Championship game. And my next guest still cannot get on board. I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid. It's unbelievable. Senator Joe Bellino joins us. Hello, Hello babe. Hey, babe. How you doing? I'm great. Good. Welcome I'm, to Lansing. I'm, I'm, yeah, well, thank you. Yeah. I was having a nice time until you told me you're still not on board with this team. Why? Look, I was born in 58. They haven't I don't won care since when 57. you were born. We call this the curse of Joe Bellino. When I was 12 <laughs> oh, years so old. Oh, so it's your fault. When I was 12 years old, we got beat by Dallas 5 to nothing. Craig Morton pitched a shutout. I mean, it's been depressing ever since. Except for the barriers, which we couldn't capitalize on. It's I been know. depressing. Well, wait a second. Now, what's, gonna, what's it going to take? It's going to take a win this weekend. This weekend? Yeah, yeah. And then you're on board. Then I'll jump. I'll drink some blue Kool-Aid, yep. 
Uh, I've been my tongue's been blue for eight to nineteen weeks now. So you're young. You haven't been depressed. No, you I have. Been, like I, I have, have been depressed. How old are you? Forty-two. I'm thirty-five. You don't know nothing. Well, first of all, I'm a Michigan fan, so okay. I lived through. All right, all right. I lived through Brady Hoke and Rich Rodriguez. Yeah, that was tough. It took yeah, a lot of years tough. off my life. And my wife's a Spartan, so I didn't stop well, hearing about it. God bless Sparty. was good those days. That um, was good. Yep. So, uh, it was hey, what a, brings you to GCSI today? What do you mean? I'm doing a show. All right, good, good. It's nice to be here. It's a great day. It's a great celebration. It day, is a great Lansing. day. The town's buzzing. Yep, yep. Um, obviously, it's it's been a different time for Republicans here yep. in this city over the last year or so. Um, Republicans lost power in that building down the street. Um, how has that how has that been to navigate? Because I know it's been difficult, but but what has that been like for for those of you on the inside? Well, it's been a big change for us, and a big change to let our people know, Republicans, that hey, we're not in control anymore. Right. We can't just pull a lever and cut taxes. We can't pull a lever and do this, do that. Now we've got to try to work as a team to try to get things done and 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 do some good bipartisan stuff. There's there's some good stuff we did last. We're, mm-hmm. we're doing some good things with with opioids and helping cities and and things like that. And and I love that. And what we did for K12 this year was phenomenal. I think that's important. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah. We we need to I don't know how we're going to turn our schools around in Michigan. Our 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 testing is so bad. I'm not sure how we're going to change the culture of people that don't want to go to school or parents don't care if their kids go to school or not. All the money in the world is not going to change that culture. I'm not sure where the answer is. All right. Well, I'll tell you one of the answers is people like me. I've got a five-year-old and a two-year-old at home. Do you know what we do? We do every night. We read. We write. We're involved. I think parents have to shoulder a little bit of this responsibility. Amen. Now, Now, that's not the only problem, but it is a problem. Where if it's parents, grandparents, aunt and uncles, doesn't matter. Those inside the home need to be involved. That's one step. But number two is I think we need to stop looking at qualifiers for students. Whether you're this or this or that or you fall under this category or that category. No, no, no. Can you read? How do we get you to a proficient reading level? Can you do math? Amen. How do we get you to a a proficient level of, of doing math? Those are the answers. So whatever those, whatever the steps are to get to that point, I'm in favor of that. That's how, that's how I think we grow our education system. In my mind, it's how we grow uh, the population here in Michigan. It's how we bring people into the state because we have a good school system. And I heard uh, the mayor, Andy Shore, yeah. earlier talking about uh, community colleges. I think community colleges is one of our answers. Yes. We, we look at this huge student debt problem. If half of those students would have spent two years in community college, we wouldn't be having this problem. But as parents, they can't say no to their kid. Sure. They can't afford Michigan State, so they take a big loan out or whatever, and that's part of the problem there. we got to change the culture. We have to change the culture where we value teachers and we value the school systems that know that. that and we need to tell parents the school system knows what they're doing. They're going to help your kid. Get out of the way. Let us do it. And, and get involved like you are. Get out of the way during, the, during 8 o'clock to 3 o'clock. But what you're doing is what exactly what my kids do. They read to their kids. They have a set schedule. They get to school in kindergarten, first grade. They're doing great things. Right. But they were read to a lot. Reading to a child is the most important thing you can do when you're young. There's no doubt about it. And, and here's the, the – look, this is another issue. But the thing that I detest about trying to eliminate student loan debt is this idea that, that not only are you just eliminating things for a political purpose in, in my mind – I think the real problem exists in a lot of these universities where they've had the autonomy to continue to raise tuition at the level that they have. And it it does. It absolutely puts students who are coming out of college in a massive hole, not for everybody, but for a lot. And that is a huge problem. And look, there are great things happening in in the skilled trades. And that is something that we need to grow to to, again, be a 
prosperous state. What are you expecting to hear from the governor tonight? What, what do you want to hear from the governor tonight? I want to hear her talk about bipartisan leadership. Oh, you're going to need it now. Yeah, I'm going to need it now. Uh, there's, there's things we need to do for the state. And we can't get we can't get to those things with a 56-54 vote or a 20-18 to 18 vote. We've got to come together on it, and I, I hope to hear that tonight. Do you feel like in the last session there was as much bipartisanship happening that maybe was being touted by some? I don't think there was a lot of bipartisanship happening. We talked about it, but it didn't happen. Well, talk at, is talk. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to say talk. You look at the important things we voted on, look at the votes on them, and they were, they were partisan down the middle, you know, right there. Yeah. yeah. How does it change then going forward? Uh, communication. That's the key. If the quadrants get together once a week and talk about what, what we need in Michigan, we can get things done. They've done it in the past. We had, you know, when Republicans were in charge, we did some things with Democrats because they came to us and said, sure. we, we need this, this, and this, and we did it. Sure. We, we know the city schools are different than the country schools. Mm-hmm. We had to keep doing stuff for that. And I want to I want to hear that same thing tonight. I want to hear that just because I have uh, I have constituents in Lenaway and Hillsdale, and they look like me, they're, gonna, they're not going to be shunned. Sure. That's what I, that's what I want to hear. Well, and I think that, that there isn't a one-size-fits-all approach for everybody. But if you work in the framework of, of being able to service everybody, being mm-hmm. able to help, it's all that everybody can ask for. And, yeah. and, and there will be, need to be bipartisanship yeah. happening in this city over the next session. That's what I loved about Snyder. He wasn't a politician at all. Is it a good policy? Let's do it. We have the money. Let's do it. If we don't have the money, we're not doing it. He was an accountant, too. So that's what we got to stick by. How do you foresee the next year playing out or this next session? I, I see the next two months not much happening until the two Democrats come back in from the mayor race in Westland and Wayne, mm-hmm. and we have that lawsuit with the redistricting commission. So uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, elements in the air that have mm-hmm. to come down first for us to start doing stuff in Lansing, and it's going to be a while. It's yeah. going to be two months at least. Two months? Oh, yeah, before something important happens. Yeah. Before then, we'll get some bipartisan stuff done which would be good. I mean, there's some things coming down the road, some good uh, criminal justice reform, yep. some good things in, uh, pertaining to opioids and stuff, and I'll be voting for that stuff. So. What's, what's on the Republican docket? We want, we, want to, we want schools to be more accountable. The laws we passed last year take less accountability. They take accountability away from the schools. Someone's got to be accountable for the kids. Somebody we, has we to can't, be accountable. We're told we can't blame the parents, so we have to, we have to do it somehow. What does that look like? It looks like us uh, changing some things we did last semester, uh, last last term, which would okay. be tough. Which would be tough. Tough because of because it's the, not gonna, the gridlock. It, we want to do it, but it's not going to happen. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, it continues to be a yeah. problem. Yeah. Senator Joe Bellino, it's great to see you. Hey, can I say one more thing? Yeah, please. Go Lions. Oh, you know what? <laughs> you know, I can't with this guy. It's good to see you. I'm waiting to have some blue Kool-Aid. I go, you're going to have some. All right, babe. You're going to have some. It's All good right. to see you. Go Greg Landry. We love you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, by the way, Fountain Blue Las Vegas, the newest luxury resort and casino on the Vegas Strip. And we want to send you there for the big game weekend. You score a trip for two to Las Vegas, including airfare, two-night stay at Fountain Blue Las Vegas, $150 credit to spend at one of its 36 restaurant and bars, and two tickets to the Fountain Blue Las Vegas big game viewing party at Blue Live Theater. To text uh, to enter, text this hour's national keyword luxury to 95819. For full details and official contest rules, visit WJR.com. Got to take a break. More next. All right, welcome back. Live from Lansing in the GCSI headquarters, thank you to Mike Hawks and his team uh, for playing the role of gracious host today. We very much appreciate it. Just, just a stone's throw from the Capitol building as, as the town is abuzz 
for the sixth State of the State address tonight by Governor Gretchen Whitmer. Uh, joined by Lance Benamini, the VP of Government Affairs for MIDA, the Michigan Infrastructure and Transportation Association. It's great to see you. Good afternoon. Thanks for taking a couple of minutes. Thanks for having me. Um, you know, we, we talked a little bit earlier, but the, the roads continue to be, I mean, one of a handful of issues that really matter to people. And, and look, this time of year, and certainly as we get on the other side of winter, get into spring, we're going to get more and more construction. And, and I think the frustration for people is valid, right? Your daily commute is interrupted, and it causes headaches, it causes problems, whatever. But the reality is, is these fixes need to occur, whether it's um, a Band-Aid on a, on a bullet wound or, or these full-blown reconstruction of our roadways. It, is, it continues to be a massive priority here in the state of Michigan, or at least a need. Yeah, absolutely, and, and we are witnessing decades of underinvestment right now. Um, the reason why we have to build so many roads often right now is because we've underinvested in our system and we're playing catch up. Mm. So talk to me a little bit about because we, we expect a lot of issues to be covered tonight and infrastructure and roads will, will certainly be one of them. What kind of progress has been made? Because the governor um, a few years ago did take out um, uh, the, the money to help fix the roads. But is it is that even enough? Are we still funding at the level we should be? Right. We are not. That is not enough. And and you don't have to drive very far to find an orange barrel this year. <laughs> um, and you will for the next couple of years. But uh, this governor did everything that she had in her bag to do. Um, her first state of the state address in 2019, five years ago, uh, she came up with a 45-cent gas tax proposal. Um, and the legislature did not take that up. And at that time, that's what we needed to have a long-term sustainable funding solution. But uh, that can that can be sticker shock for a lot of folks. I mean, that is a serious uptick. Yeah. But the reality is we're just not spending enough. Unfortunately, yeah, whether we like it or not, unfortunately, right. that's what it would take. Um, and then and then the governor did what most governors have done in the past, which is bond for transportation dollars. And she put a $3.5 billion transportation bonding program out there um, that lasts five years. And so we are seeing a ton of construction right now. We do not see those long-term investments in the future. Mm-hmm. And so we have a revenue cliff in our transportation funding come in 2026, 2027. Uh, and unfortunately, if nothing's done, uh, our roads will continue to deteriorate. And the investments that we're making right now, we won't be able to maintain in the future. 2026, what are we funding through 2026 and what does it fall to? Sure. So w- right now, the MDOT budget, the overall transportation budget is a little about a little less than seven billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're looking at going down to five billion. It's 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 less, and Oof. we need three point nine billion more annually than what we're doing right now. And so we're going backwards. So in in terms of what can be done, let let's just take a step back from the money, because while that is still the driving factor, uh, there are other issues in these areas, whether it's the labor market or inflation, materials. What, what kind of hurdles are we still seeing in terms of fixing our roads? Sure. You know, and, and every time we talk about increasing revenues for roads, we talk about reforms. And there are several reforms that have occurred over the past. Uh, our department does a very good job of managing its system with the money that it does have. Um, there's one reform that, you know, we're a part of a Build It Michigan Strong coalition that um, it has labor and business attached to it. Um, which is promoting legislation that would have a statewide permit for uh, aggregates and sand and gravel permits. Mm. Uh, Our current issue right now is we have uh, over two dozen permits out there that are either being held up by local units of government or being denied by local units of government um, for not very good reasons. And we're having to truck aggregates 
tens, hundreds of miles away, which is increasing the cost for our projects. Well, wait a second. Why aren't they being approved? Why are, what's the holdup? Sure, there's a lot of misinformation out there that um, suggests that these mines are, are um, doing damage to the environment. And they're not really looking into all the, the statewide permit requirements that are out there, including noise requirements, uh, trucking haul routes, uh, reclamation of the land after they're done. You know, I grew up next, down the street from a, a gravel pit in Commerce Township. Mm-hmm. My dad just recently told me they're putting that into a neighborhood. And we have dozens of neighborhoods in this state that are former gravel pits, golf courses, you name it. <laughs> the, the damage being done to the environment while still trucking and moving materials that you need anyway. Like, I, it, it doesn't compute to me. But, but the, the reality is these are, the, these are some of the issues that is holding Michigan back. And look, we, we look at, I mean, I think it's natural for us to drive through Ohio and say, oh, well, what's going on? Why are their roads so much better? Well, they spend more, number one. But, but the, the, Michigan isn't necessarily a, 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 a state that you travel through. You travel to Michigan. So you're, we're not getting a lot of those dollars and cents from other drivers coming in or passing through that maybe states like Ohio are. And, and that is another reason I think it puts us behind the eight ball. Yeah, there's no question. We do collect a little bit from sales tax and gas tax for them for our roads. But, but you're absolutely right. We, we're, we're a destination state. We're not, we're not a pass-through state. Um, and, and we need to figure out how we can capture more of those dollars from out-of-state tourists. I, I think a lot of people look at this as a state issue. And certainly the federal government, through, through different bills, the infrastructure bill, money was coming in. But it's still not enough. That's still not enough. Even the money that was brought in through the COVID uh, time frame, one-time spending, it's not sustainable. In terms of the, the, the responsibility, the state bears a lot of it. But local governments, too, also have to take care of their roadways that aren't overseen by state or county governments, too. Yeah, and a lot of local governments do have millages to help supplement some of their road funding, but it's just not enough. Um, Road millages don't equate to really being able to have your federal match and have your state match to get all the roads that you need done. You know, when you increase gas taxes or registration fees or other user fees for our system, you know, all of that money trickles down. It's not just for the MDOT roads. It's for county roads. It's for local roads. Um, you know, if you increase a billion dollars to the budget, 39% of that goes to MDOT roads, 39% of that goes to county roads, and 22% of that goes to your local roads. And so an increase on that will help out all of our local roads. And it's, it's, I think it's worthwhile to say, too, that the bonding program that the governor put out was only for MDOT roads. And mm-hmm. so, you know, we've seen a lot of construction on the heavy, heavy highway areas, um, but you haven't seen a lot of construction on the local level lately, and, and it's desperately – we're going to find that out here uh, in pothole season. Everyone watch how the sure. potholes are going to be. So we're still behind the eight ball. And if we get to 2026 and we're not funding at appropriate levels, what happens? I mean, aside from not being able to sustain where we are now, where, 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 what condition can we expect these roadways to be in? Yeah, so um, we have a goal in the state of Michigan of having all of our roads in 90% good and fair condition. Right now we sit at 67% good and fair condition. Which is, it, it, it's, that's still a pretty sizable gap, right? It, it, it is, it is. And we've done a really good job in the state of hitting that 90%. We've done a terrible job of sustaining that mm. 90%. Like I mentioned, the other governors who have done bonding programs are small increases that we've had over the years. And so um, by 2030, 
uh, it's projected that we'll be at 50% good and fair condition roads, uh, which mm. means 50% of our roads will be in poor condition. Um, and why is that important? So for every dollar you invest in a good and fair condition road, you save $14 in a reconstruct poor condition road. Mm. And so the, the further we go down. Is that, what, what, is that per mile? What, what, what is that? Just every dollar you spend. Oh, okay, okay, got every it. dollar okay. you spend, okay. you, you save $14 because maintenance on a, on a good and fair condition road is obviously a lot cheaper than a full reconstruct. Well, look, it continues to be an issue. What do you want to hear from the governor tonight on it? Uh, that she's uh, focused on a long-term, sustainable, equitable road funding solution, just like she said when she started this campaign. Hmm. Do you, do you expect that we'll get to that point? I think we'll talk about more investments into uh, our infrastructure and our roads. Um, we, we hope that there's a, a mention of a long-term solution out there. Oh, interesting. Uh, well, we appreciate the time. Lance Benamini with, with Mida. Thank you so much. Obviously, we'll continue to be a huge issue. The governor ran on it initially, uh, and, and those efforts are still underway. Thank you so much. Appreciate the time. It's good much. to see you. All right, we got to take a break. Uh, we'll get more into the nuts and bolts with what we expect the governor to say tonight. Uh, we'll have Senator Ruth Johnson join us, uh, as well as Senate Republican Leader Eric Nesbitt. Uh, will be joining us here as we continue on our preview of what we expect the governor to say tonight as she kicks off her sixth, unbelievable, sixth State of the State address. Uh, as we're broadcasting here live from Lansing from GCSI headquarters, we appreciate so much Mike Hawks and his crew for making us feel welcome. We'll take a break, come back for more as we continue on on JR Afternoon. Welcome back. Getting you ready for the sixth State of the State address tonight by Governor Gretchen Whitmer, unbelievable, we're at six. Uh, it's hard to believe how time flies. Uh, we are also live from Lansing at GCSI headquarters. We appreciate Mike Hawks and his crew so much. Uh, joined by a couple of veterans in the game, Senator Ruth Johnson joins us. It's great to see you. Great to really be Really great to see you. Thanks, thanks for coming by. And, of course, State Republican Senate Leader Eric Nesbitt. Hey, thanks for having it's me, nice Chris. nice to see you. Thanks Thank you for me. coming by. Yep, absolutely. Um, thanks for covering all this, too. Well, look, it's yeah. important, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and I... My goal here is I want everybody to be able to say their piece, all right? I think there are more than one way to skin a cat. But at the end of the day, you, you have to converge on these ideas. The paths have to eventually come back together. And I, I don't think we've seen enough bipartisanship for many years here in the state of Michigan. And over this last session, I think we, we that kind of reared its ugly head as Democrats took control of that building down the street for the first time in many, many years. And so when we look at where this state is going, there's been many efforts to try to bring people to Michigan and keep people in Michigan as we try to grow our population. But the fact of the matter is, I think there are still a lot of areas where we fall short. There are other areas where we are falling woefully short. And and that's, I don't know that we're going to get that tonight from the governor, but I, I want to try to find ways that we can improve on education, that we can improve on our quality of life in Michigan, that we can improve on bringing businesses to Michigan. And I just, I don't, I don't know that, that we are at that point yet. Yeah, we really aren't because we know that the three things that really drive people into a state, including job providers, are good education, low crime, and low taxation. And Michigan ranks 43rd out of 50 states for our fourth grade readers 
our kids can't read very well. We've dropped 11 places since this governor took office countrywide since 2019. We're 37th overall in education, according to U.S. News and World Report, and two-thirds of our fourth and eighth graders aren't proficient in reading or math. These are the basics. These are what people want for their kids. They want them to be able to read and do math, and so do job providers, and it's really taken a toll on our state. I, I was talking to Senator Bellino um, earlier, and by the way, if you miss any of our, our discussions, thegreatvoice.com will have it all for you, but, but I think it's a, it's a two-pronged approach when it comes to reading and math. I think it's important. I have a five-year-old and a two-year-old, okay? So oh. I'm, I'm right in the trenches. <laughs> We are, we are reading, we are writing every day after kindergarten, right? We are doing, we are, we are trying to be involved in making sure that, that, that they are where they need to be. That's one part. I think parental involvement or involvement in the home. But even more so, there have, the, the, the system has to be accountable. If we, are, if we are falling behind in a lot of these categories and failing our children, quite frankly, we, the, the school the school system has to be accountable. Well, and this is what you saw in a partisan way last year with Governor Whitmer and the Democrat control of the legislatures. You saw a lot of accountability measures that were just eliminated. We were just starting to implement some third grade reading rules to mm-hmm. say, hey, by third grade, you need to have a basis in reading and, and, and literacy. It's important. Let's get back to phonics. Let's try to work. Letter grading at schools where you're able within the school system, say, simple, transparent, you know, to the to the. Uh, to the parents and the community. And then, and then another thing is like saying that actual growth within the year for students, their student growth is actually part of teacher performance. And I know Senator Johnson serves on the Education Committee, and I know they tried a bunch of different ways to find bipartisan landing spots on saying let's look at accountability, let's look at growth, let's empower parents and teachers and our administrators to do the right thing but also be transparent sure. to those paying for it and have some accountability. This is School Choice Week. Senator Nesbitt is so right because uh, sitting in that education committee, which I did when I was in the House, and my I do have a, a degree in education and taught first and second grade split years ago, but we eliminated, the governor eliminated grading our schools A through F so parents know. Mm -hmm. And like you said, you have to have transparency and accountability. And they took the student growth out of the teacher evaluations. Did that kid learn anywhere from where he got there or she got there? And then we got rid of merit pay. Now it's only based on how long you've been there. Those things stripping away only make it worse, not better. And I don't see how anyone can look at it and not realize that we're doing our families and our kids a great disservice. We're really subjecting them to a life of mediocrity and our state too by not making sure that we don't have every child that gets a good education and you can't be at the bottom of the rung and have our kids succeed well and what i don't like to see is uh, if you're a third grader that fit it, that fits in this category or if you're over here or if you are this or that you fall under different categories no no no, no. you're a third grade student here's what here's the the benchmark here's where you need to be in order to be successful going forward i think there's there's issues there what do you think the tone tonight because i to me, I mean, you read between the tea leaves. She's going to paint a very rosy picture of where the state is and where the state is headed. Um, I would imagine that that you would look at it a little differently. But in in terms of 
what you expect to hear tonight, what you want to hear tonight. What do you what do you want to hear from the governor tonight, the Senator Mich- Nesbitt? The Michigan House is, has 54 Republicans and 54 Democrats right now, and this would be a perfect opportunity to do some large transformational things, such as on education, on infrastructure, on uh, you know rebuilding our, our roads, on making us more competitive. And, and to do a bipartisan work, unfortunately, what we're going to hear is a bunch of new singles, short-term public relation hits. I think she came out with something saying, uh, you know, the Gretchen Whitmer's greatest hits. She's going to do a victory lap on making, uh, <laughs> making Michigan more expensive to do business in, raise a family in. That's what they did last year on a whole number of issues. We were talking energy earlier and, and, and energy. They passed this Green New Deal mandate mm-hmm. that even goes further than California. And I think she's continuing to salivate and be ready for a national campaign if Biden doesn't you know, make it through the national convention. Do you this think year. that's a real that's a real underlying tone here? Whether it's one percent or twenty percent, why else is she doing all this stuff for the New Yorker, the Atlantic, New York Times, Washington Post to increase her national exposure? Then she's trying to keep up with Gavin Newsom and trying to you know trying to campaign nationally and get that recognition. I mean, well, don't you think? Oh, Ruth? absolutely. And here we are sitting in a state that really needs a strong governor right now. We're yeah. the second worst for major power outages in this country right. and the fourth worst for getting it fixed. We need somebody that does the nuts and bolts, gets down and does the dirty work, not out getting pictures and photo ops all over the country. And, and come back and let's have a conversation and sit down with elected officials that are ready to solve some problems. She appointed this whole population commission last year. They issued their report. She wanted them to issue a report saying $6 billion of tax increases will solve it. They didn't do that. What they did is they did a damning report on five years into the governor's administration that we have some of the worst roads, worst education, worst business environment. And what are we going to do about it? And what you're going to see from this governor, like little single hits that maybe you can get a discount in your car and we can spend more money on electric vehicle school buses that only go a third of the distance and cost four times as much on the roads. Absolutely. We really need relief, not out of control spending, which means we're going to get more taxes. And they're looking at all different ways to do that. Do you think that she has operated in a way that boosts her profile as, a, as opposed to help the people of Michigan? I think there's three main constituencies, Democrat core constituencies, that the governor's operated in this Democratic majority. It's the big labor unions. They repealed right to work, made it more expensive to build bridges and roads here in the state by by, uh, reinstituting prevailing wage. They went ahead and instead of listening to Michigan businesses on this Green New Deal that they passed, That, she's li- that they're listening to coastal billionaires that finance national presidential campaigns and passed a plan that's even f- goes further than California's mm-hmm. does. And then the big trial lawyers that are out there trying to get a bite, and there's been a bunch of legislation. And so this is all about raising the profile. She had to do something on, on the Green New Deal last year because otherwise these coastal billionaires in New York and, and, and San Francisco won't listen to you. Mm. And she loves dark money. She said she didn't, but she's taken over $20 million. She took $837,000 just from one person, but won't tell who it came from. When you're doing those kinds of things and want it to be secretive and work to make sure it stays secret, you know that there's more behind it than just somebody said, here, I like you. Here's $837,000 or altogether $20 million of dark money. 
And, I mean, 10 years, and this is the hypocrisy you see in the mainstream media, is that 10 years ago, I think, uh, you know, Governor Snyder raised, I think, a million and a half dollars to help finance some of this policy sure. stuff like a think sure. tank. And the Democrats were erratic, out of control. How dare he? Yeah. He was just trying to save some sure. state money sure. to do some policy sure. initiatives and make it, you know, a bit more proactive. The governor does 15 times as much. And it's just silence. Out well, there. it'll be very interesting to see what she has to say tonight. Senator Ruth Johnson, great to see you. Thank great you so much. Good to see you. Thank you. And Senate Republican Leader Eric Nesbitt, thank you for coming by. Appreciate hey, you Great to be here. Thanks for coming up here. All God right. bless. Got to take a break. The Big Three coming up next here on WJR. All right. Welcome back. Rounding things off with the Big Three, Macomb County Executive Mark Hackle joining us. Hello, sir. Hello. It's How nice to see you. Good to see you. Wayne well County Executive Warren Evans. Hey. It's great to see you. Good to see you, Thanks too. Thanks for coming Thanks. by. Glad to be here. And Oakland County Executive Dave Coulter. Good to see you. It's good to see you, sir. Uh, there's one thing that all three counties can agree on, <laughs> and that's that Stephen A. Smith is just a blowhard. <laughs> you're, you're can just, we all agree? Yeah. Uh, amen. Amen. <laughs> what, I, amen. What I can say is he's absolutely gotten it wrong on this one. You know, I mean, I, I, I get the political comment. I mean, you know, the, the sports commentary, but. No, he had this one backwards. Unless he was blindfolded and driven around the city through, yeah. through alleys, I don't know how he could have possibly seen uh, or, or complained as he did. We, we, we sent some responses back to good. Sure yeah, good for you. But I got to correct one thing. It's like when you say this, he got he got this one wrong. Whatever he got a lot of things yeah, wrong. That guy has never been mostly a, never been a fan. <laughs> yeah. I know. Give me a break. And this one just kind of took it over the edge. Yeah. Well, so. it, it's good to see you guys. Um, you too. In in terms of. Um, the growth. I mean, the, the region has come a long way, and, and obviously good things happening in, in each of your respective counties. Um, Mr. Coulter, I'd like to start with you. What 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 do you want to hear from the governor tonight? Because obviously um, there was a lot done this last session, yeah. and, and there was a power shift in this state or in, in this city. Um, and, and things are, are being done a little bit of a different way, which is, is okay. But in terms of, of what you want to hear from the governor tonight, she'll paint a, a good picture, which I don't, I don't uh, think anything differently. But in terms of the messaging, what yeah. do you want to hear from the governor tonight? You know, and I heard your segment on before, and, and Ruth Johnson is a friend of mine, but mm -hmm. I disagree with her on this. Education is important. I want to hear her talk about education. Sure. I think we're going to hear her talk about education, and she yeah. needs to. She's going to talk about how we get more people into community colleges. She's going to talk about her initiative to get 60% of the state with some post-secondary degree or certification. In Oakland County, we're trying to get that to 80%. Mm -hmm. Education is going to be the key to attracting companies to Michigan and, just as importantly, increasing wages. You know, the report that came out yesterday that Michigan is 38th in the country in terms of personal income is not sustainable so we got to lift wages and to do that we need education and i think this is a governor who's made incredible investments in education and i think we're going to hear some more of that tonight i would agree i i would agree but i you know the devil's always in the detail and i don't know where the money comes from sure you know and so those are are issues that you generally don't hear at a state of the state uh, but you hear the good stuff and you know community colleges and pre-k are good stuff sure absolutely good stuff very very important for michigan but I'm from Missouri. You know, 
Show me how you're going to pay for it. Sure. I think that's a huge shift. What, what about you, Mr. Hackle? Well, you know, we're fortunate. We've seen a lot of growth in manufacturing and businesses coming to Michigan, particularly mm -hmm. southeast Michigan. We've all benefited from that. Now the big challenge is where do we find the talent to yeah, take on some of these jobs? So obviously I think she's going to touch on that. I think there's going to be a conversation what she's trying to do with this Grow Michigan, and there's a lot of effort we're all putting into that. But the big one is, uh, you know, I know we just talked, listened to Lance, you know, from the road builders, and, you know, that's been my biggest issue, the concern. And the governor's right, you know, fix the roads. But there's a road or a bridge that we can't fix in Southeast Michigan. You know, every one of us is in charge of a, a road department, uh, road commission, and uh, the governor, MDOT. But the reality is it's not really about fixing roads or bridges. It's about fixing the funding. Sure. And I need to see if, you know, and what I'm looking for is maybe a little pressure put on the legislature that keeps talking about. There's this admiring of the problem, but it really is their responsibility to come up with a solution. They've talked about them at length, but they have not come up with a solution yet to fix the road funding. You all have been in the game for a long time. The legislature for decades yes. has kicked this can down the road. And, and look, everybody shoulders blame. I don't care what letter is in front of your name. It doesn't matter to me. What, what I think is impactful for most people, people that live in your counties, voters, people that, that are, are going to make the ultimate decision on a lot of issues, is that, well, okay, we understand that we need to spend more money. We understand that we haven't spent the kind of money we do on need, need to on roads. But if you want to start raising, you know, gas taxes 30 cents more than what you're seeing now, that's a sticker shock that people aren't willing to take on, especially when we're, we're still coming out of a pandemic and, and the issues that stem from that, whether it's inflation or things in the, in the, in the pipeline, it, it is all issues that people, I think, are still having to contend with. You know, you get what you pay for. And it, what's interesting about the infrastructure and the road question is if you ask people, do we need to invest in our roads, they you know, overwhelmingly say yes. Then when you, risk, when you list all the ways that you could potentially pay for it, they all fail. So we have not come to a consensus in this state as a, as a state, as residents of this state, in what, how we're willing to invest in those roads. I think there's still a mentality out there that if we just tighten our belts and, and, and have more efficient government, then somehow we can do that. And the reality is uh, roads are going to be way more expensive than we can squeeze out of tightening our belts. So we, 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 need to, we need somebody that can help us get to a consensus on what it looks sure. like. And, and we've seen it. We've seen it with the Snyder administration where they had control of the House, the Senate, yeah. as well as the governor's office and they come to the realization the money isn't in the budget that uh, we are shortfalled. And now we've seen, seen the same thing with the Democrats in control of the House and the Senate and even the governor's seat. But there still is a shortfall of funding, and everybody admits that. There's no question that there's a shortfall. So the question becomes, is there going to be the political will, the political courage on behalf of legislatures to do what's necessary, and that's, you know, fix the funding by coming up with a solution? You know, I, I often offered this up to a legislator in Macomb County who had brought this up, you know, and I said to him, listen, if you're afraid to make that call, I got an idea. Put a piece of legislation together that says, you're going to give the executive of Macomb County the ability to make the decision to finalize what we're going to be doing when it comes to road funding because one thing will happen. A decision will be made. I'll make the decision, and I will take the hit for whatever criticism might come. Sure. But the reality is down the road, we're finally going to have enough funding to fix the roads right. in southeast Michigan. Yes, That's what needs to happen. Somebody's got to have the political will to say, okay, I'm not worried about whether I get reelected or not. But why I'm haven't we had necessary. that political will? First of all, let's appreciate that state funding is not going to fix our infrastructure and our roads, too. I mean, it's just we, we have gotten ourselves in such a hole that it's very, very difficult to climb out of. It's going to be an awful lot of federal money, too, but the priority to do it and tackle an issue rather than, you know, kind of put Band-Aids on a number of issues is kind of what we see. And, you know, and, and frankly, uh, I, and, I, and I'm positive with respect to – the topics that the governor's going to talk about. Sure. Don't get me wrong. I'm not against anything. In fact, most of it, I think, is super. 
I just got some other financial problems and some other stuff that needs to happen, and I don't know how that's going to happen. For me, our juvenile justice system mm. is one of the biggest mm. problems that I have, and I think my colleagues here have similar related problems, uh, and they're ongoing problems. And, uh, it's I don't, mainly, I don't, and it's mainly administrative rules that are causing the challenge. I mean, that, that you're 100% right. The three of us have been talking about sure. it. But, you know, there's these facilities all throughout the state that realize there needs to be some changes because uh, the control of those kids in those facilities is becoming a real problem. I want to give you just a couple of seconds left here. I knew time was going to be a, a, no a real bugaboo here. In, in terms of what you want to see, what's the priorities this year uh, for you, do you think, Mr. Coulter? Wow, there's so many of them. I mean, you could talk about mental health. You could talk about education. Let me hear. I'm hearing rumors that she's going to talk about housing, and I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. Uh, affordable housing, especially, has become really, really difficult. Uh, one of the reasons young people aren't buying houses is because a) there's not enough of them, and b) they're too expensive. Right. So, how do we address that issue? I think she's going to touch on it. I hope so. I'm looking forward Good. to it. Community-based mental health. I mean, Dave just touched on it, but yeah. that's something we're doing with our uh, juvenile, our correctional facility that we're working on. So, you know, that's one of my big topics, and then obviously funding for roads. I think the governor's nailed it on all of the big topics. It's not the topics. Those are the topics that we need. Sure. Education is critical. Housing is critical. Mental health is critical. And we've got other problems that got to be paid <laughs> for, too. Show me the money. Show me the money. Uh, couldn't agree more. Uh, Mr. Hackle, Mr. Evans, Mr. Coulter, thank you guys so much. Really more great more. to see you. you thank, you. thank you. Enjoy the speech tonight. You bet. Thank you. Uh, yeah. All right. That's going to do it for us. Live from Lansing at GCSI headquarters. Again, thank you, Mike Hawks. Thank you for your team. Outstanding job. We appreciate you playing. Gracious host. Enjoy the speech tonight. You'll hear it right here on WJR at 7. Mitch Alvin and the crew coming up next.